prayed and the Holy Spirit said, nah. So buckle up. We actually believe that we are going to see a new breed of people raised right here in this city. People who love the gifts of the Holy Spirit, who move in the power of God, and also are equipped in the actual word of God. Those who come in together to make powerhouse families and men and women who shake the gates of hell. So today we're going to give you some meat, not milk. If that's what you're used to, it's okay. You can chew it when you leave. Are you ready? Like I believe today is a prophetic day. Like this is a special day for our particular body. And it's an honor that we all get to be here together. Let, let me tell you a few little things that the Lord spoke to us. And then we'll move on into the message. Last week. If you were part of Remnant last week, it was the 378th day since we were actually displaced from this place and standing in the wedding venue that we were at. Wasn't that awesome? The Lord gave it. We went traveling through crossroads and crumbs and everywhere. Else, and uh, crumbs. Crumb. <laughs> everywhere. I'm sorry if you're from crumb. Uh, it's only one crumb. Uh, obviously, you drive right through it. Um, but 378 days, right, was significant. As I was driving to church last Sunday, the Lord said, well, what does that biblically mean? For many of you who know and some of you who don't know, right, in your Bible, your, each word is marked by a number, right? There's a concordance called a strong concordance. It can be in Greek and it's marked by a Greek number or it can be in Hebrew and it's marked by a Hebrew number, right? So in the strong concordance, the number 378 was anapolero, and it meant to be filled up, to fulfill or to complete a prophecy, which was really neat because some of those things came our way that we were actually being brought to a wedding venue to marry our people. Anybody here yesterday? Did we not do that? The last service that we actually held in that place was a marriage of two, uh, two beautiful people becoming one. That's neat. Today is the 385th day since we've been displaced. I'm going a little Bible nerd on you, but it, it's okay. It's the 385th day since the fire caused us to pull up stakes, right? And to travel around and gain a few new family members. Amen? Amen. But what the devil tried to destroy, God actually used to increase. Like literally, square footage, souls, people, and our faith. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Well, don't you know that word uh, in Hebrew? From the Strong's Concordance, H385, 385. Anybody got one? Somebody, I know y'all already doing it, right? Some of you scholars in here, you're like, what's it say? What's it say? Anybody tell me what it says? Come on, somebody. Any, any quick draws in here? Look, Lorraine is like, nobody's going to beat me. I'm going to help you. H385 is the word Ithamar. The word Ithamar means land of palms. That's interesting. And that's lost on some of you, but not all of us. We have been called here by the word of the Lord to be a spring. Let me help you out. The one association churches, which are represented, all domestic churches are represented in here today. At least one person from each church is sitting in this room today. We didn't orchestrate that. The Lord did. In Exodus 15, 27, it says that, that then they came to Elium. This is the people of God traveling through the wilderness where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they encamped there by the water. 
We, Remnant Church, are now one of those 12 springs spoken of to us in a prophetic vision is now the one association a long time ago. So this particular word just seems to be a little bit special to us. Not only that, when we came to this land, Denton, the first man of peace that we met was Mr. Pastor Kaysen Schobert. That just so happened at the exact time that we accidentally met, he had the, the prophetic word from Numbers 33, 8 that the Lord spoke to him and he didn't know what it meant. It's the same passage out of Exodus spoken again in Numbers 33. Exactly. Listen to what it says. And they set out from Hararoth and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness. And they went three days journey into the wilderness, into Etham, and they camped at Mara. Remember what Mara means? Thank you. All right. We didn't get Ithamar, but we got Mara. Bitter waters. We found him in some bitterness. And praise the Lord. The Lord extracted him out. And they sent out. They set out from Mara and they came to Elium. At Elium, there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they camped there. Wow. I just so happened to walk into a prayer meeting in the first month that we lived here. And the Lord gave me a word to prophesy out loud in a, in a room just like this that I'd never been in. Some of you are experiencing that right now. You're like... Ah, it's kind of intimate in here, a little small, okay, you know, right? And then, and then imagine the, the Lord's like, speak this word out loud. <laughs> and I'm like, no, Lord, I don't like that. No, not me, right? But, but because I've been discipled and trained, I'm like, that took about five seconds. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to say it. Whatever consequence is what I get. And it just so happened in earshot was Pastor Kaysen that caught our attention and created our relationship. Wow. So again, on the 385th day when the Lord's saying, hey, just so happens to be, right, a day of Ithamar, we ought to take notice, don't you think? Some of you are not acquainted with the movement of the Spirit and these type of things, but prophecy is far more than a word just spoken. Prophecy is pattern, and you'll see it in the life of those who love him. Matter of fact, 879 days ago, my family moved here with a calling to reproduce what we had experienced through all the other one association churches. It was so beautiful that we thought, man, it has to be multiplied. It must be multiplied. And we're willing to pay the costs to become a spring that sons would drink from, to be equipped to reach their families, to reach their communities, to reach their cities and to reach the nations. This is what we're here for. If you need info on that, you can find it in that fancy little pamphlet that the ladies made for you in the back. This is who we are and why we're here. You can't make this stuff up. You know why? H. 1879 is Deshane or Deshan. It means prosperous. Watch this. It means full of sap. Okay, that's funny. The Lord's just like, I'm just going to be funny, right? I'm going to put you here on the, on the day of palms, right? And on the exact day that you actually set foot here, it's going to be full of sap and prosperous because that's what God brought you here to do, to prosper, to prosper your relationship with the Lord, to prosper your family, right? To prosper your community, to be an impact in this place. You didn't come here to just to sit and soak. You came here to give away what was given to you. Amen. Amen. You did not walk into a place that just gathers. You just walked into a place who cares about your growth and maximizing who you are. That's what you just walked into. That's why it feels different to you already. 
And while I preach and it feels a little confrontational and might offend your flesh, it's because it is going to grow you. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Today actually marks the day as well that our little church, our humble beginnings, right, will reach out to the nations for the first time because we're sending a team to Indonesia this week. That's monumental. Praise the Lord. This little body, this little remnant is affecting the whole loaf and will affect the nations. We're going there to create a, create a highway of holiness for you so that we can send teams constantly, constantly. We're going to do this in many highways throughout the nations so that this little body, right, doesn't become a dead sea, just being something being filled in. But you're actually giving away, giving away, giving away. Amen. What a neat time in Remnant Church, right? Yeah. You also know it's May 28, 2023. Anybody know what that is? Hey, Shavuot. This is the day of Pentecost. The day that the law was given on Mount, uh, on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai and the day that the fire fell on Mount Zion. Come on. Yeah. 385 days since we left this property. The Lord's saying, hey, you're a land of palms and you need to be reminded about it. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Wow. I got like a trillion things here. But I'm going to just go ahead and start with the message today. Amen? Y'all ready for a message title? It's okay. Pastor will do his due diligence and actually feed you. You with me? Amen. What's that say? That means it worked. Praise God. Firebrands. That's what you are. You might be a visitor. That's what you are. You might not actually love Jesus. That's still what you are. He created you that way. You just need to figure it out. You're a firebrand, and I'm going to explain that to you. Today's message is firebrands, four marks of a true son. Are you with me? Every man, every son of man makes a mark wherever he goes. A true son makes an impression. He makes a lasting impression. He leaves an impression. Before we get to our main passage that we're going to camp in today, we're going to honor that 385th day with Ithamar. And I'm going to give you just a couple highlights of who he is, because I know we're like 2% of us in here actually know who he was. In Exodus 3, in 6 and 23, Aaron, who is, the, who is the head of the priesthood of God next to Moses, took as his wife, Elisheba. And the daughter of Abinadab and the sister of Nahashan. And she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. So Ithamar is the fourth born of Aaron in the priesthood. In Exodus 28, 1, we see Ithamar now called to the priesthood like his father. So his daddy's not just a priest. He is too. By the time we get to Exodus 31.1, guess what happens with Ithamar? He's now grown, a grown man of God who has risen to the responsibility of giving oversight, governance, and direction to the servants of God that are now called to transport the tabernacle of God. Wow. Could you imagine? You grow up, and then now you're responsible for this team that's a teardown and setup crew for the tabernacle that hosts the power and presence of God. 
That means these men knew the integral details. They knew the skins of the tabernacle. They knew the sinews of the tabernacle. They knew the bones and where they should go. They knew exactly how to set up the articles. They knew exactly the prescribed order in which God would actually come down in fire and they would watch this tabernacle breathe in and out, out and in, in the center of a wilderness. That's a privilege, right? Ithamar was the fourth born son, but not for long. Wow. This man was a significant and powerful little brother. He was the fourth born. And you know what he was doing? What you're going to see? He wasn't waiting for someone else to give him permission to be who he was. He wasn't waiting to be forced born because it wasn't going to happen, right? He wasn't waiting to have a different change of position. He was just doing who he, what he did because of who he was. He wasn't, waited to, he wasn't waiting to be invited to the front line so that I can actually now do what I do and be who I am. No, he was just a son. Wow. He wasn't overshadowed his big brothers or those who have gone first. Ithamar did not wait for man's permission or promotion to be God's son. Is that you this morning? Are you waiting for somebody to invite you to a greater relationship with your father in heaven? No, he worked without the need of recognition of men. And when other men checked out, guess what? He was equipped and ready to step in. Is that you this morning? And you know what? He became a leader of leaders, just like every one of you who take your discipleship with Jesus very seriously. He was not confused. He was a confident man. Any confident men in here today? That's all? Any confident men in here today? Okay, that's a little more believable. Because you're a firebrand. You can feel it down in your soul. If it's not coming out in your actions, then you're in conflict, and that's why you're like, yeah, it's me, right? But we're going to change that. Wherever he went... Ithamar left a mark. Leviticus 10 actually gives us some insight. Ithamar is now about to experience what Remnant Church is experiencing and will experience. He is now about to experience what the One Association churches and every other apostolic work in this generation is about to experience. A removal from authority of those who are playing games with God. And a replacement with a new breed of priesthood who understand what is at stake and are willing to pay the cost. In Leviticus 10, verse 1, it gives us the story of Nadab and Abihu, Aaron and his sons. In verse 1, it says it like this. Now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, they each took a censer and they put fire in it and they laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire and fire came out before the Lord and it consumed them and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord says. Among those who are near to me, I will be sanctified and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Wow. You would, too. If you parented your firstborns poorly because you were silent when they needed to be corrected. And then when the Lord, when a consequence from the Lord comes for them and you know it falls on you, you, you shut up too. 
but at least you would do well with the other two. Verse 4, And Moses called Mishael, Elsaphan, and son, the sons of... Uh, somebody help me with that. Anybody reading that? Huh? Come on, y'all participate in church. Thank you. That way, if, you, if it's wrong, you said it. And the uncle of Aaron. And he said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary out of the camp. So they came near and carried them away in their coats. And Moses said, <clears throat> And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar, to Ithamar's sons, Watch this. Do not let your hair or the head of your hairs hang loose. And do not tear your clothes. Do not lie down. The wrath of God has come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, let them mourn them. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die. Watch this. For the anointing of the Lord, our God, is upon you. And they did according to what Moses said. And verse 8 says this. And the Lord spoke to Aaron. And he says, drink no wine or no strong drink. For you are sons, for you are, you and your sons with you. Don't do that, but when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. So listen, you guys drink alcohol, but don't drink and drive. Don't do it while you're working. Try not to get a little tips before you come to the pulpit. And you know how you try? Just don't drink anything. Got it? Because you are, verse 10, distinguished between, you are to distinguish between the holy and the common and between the unclean and the clean and you are to teach the people of Israel all the statues that the Lord has spoken to Moses today that reminds me of 2 Corinthians 3 6 when it says who has made us he has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant not of the letter of the spirit for for the I'm sorry not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life. Oh, you can love the word and it not be legalism to you. What is the point of Leviticus 6 and the significance of Ithamar this morning? Are you with me? Those who refuse to steward the anointing according to God's word will not survive the anointing. Although they were born to do so, they will be replaced. Saints Nadab and Abihu did not prioritize the impact that the anointing of their lives could have above the impacts of above the impact that they thought they could have if they just had added a little bit of control to it. I mean, this is a little small amount of compromise, a little bit of leaven of cornality. If we just put a little bit in there, it'll, it'll be more effective. And the Lord's like, mm -mm. come meet with me, a little mercy. Your life's done. Nobody said they went to hell. They just weren't there anymore. Saints in Texas, this is a firebrand. This is what you call a firebrand. Right? Morgan Hunter <laughs> made one and put an impression on something. Because that's what he does. Amen. Because he's in Ithamar. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, he makes an impression. Do you? In Texas, this is a firebrand. But in your Bible, 
That's a firebrand. When this is immersed in fire, everything changes. You say, you're not really, I'm going to smack you over the head with this or something, but you're not really intimidated by this. But something changes when I immerse this in fire. You'll start to run. All of a sudden, I have some authority that I'm wielding in my hand, and you're not really sure how close you want to get to me. Because you know that I make an impression. And the first one I make is on your flesh. Yeah, good preaching thins the crowds, what we said the other day. In Texas, that is a firebrand, but in your Bible, that's a firebrand. A literal hot branch immersed in the fire. Maybe even a little hot branch of a palm tree. Who knows? And then it's taken from the fire to light other fires. It's also translated as torch in your Bible. Interesting. Saints Nadab and Abihu didn't fail to bring fire. They failed to bring a firebrand that originated from the hot coals of Yahweh's fire. And they fueled their incense with something else other than God's holy fire. So what does Yahweh do? He removes them and he replaces them. Welcome, Remnant Church. He replaces them with men who will allow the spirit of God to work hand in hand with the word of God. And with men who will lead, who will be led by the spirit's direction instead of the traditions of men. Malachi 3.16 speaks to this when it says in verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. I love what the Lord's doing among us. Every time we get together, right, we, we love the victorious nature of God. But right now, the manifestation of the spirit among us seems to be a little more reverent. It's like we're maturing and we're growing and the spirit of God is honoring that. Right. And he can come here in a in a more reverent way and we can just hang out with daddy. And sit with him. Like we're kicking in the living room around a fire. I love that. Mm. Verse 17, and they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my treasure possession and I will spare them as a man spares a son who serves them. Anybody need to be spared for some of your poor consequences? Good news, you got a good daddy. Then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. Friends, God is raising a new breed of firebrands. Firebrands that will change history because they're different. Because they're peculiar. Because they're not trying to get their cues from somebody else or some YouTube channel that they like of how they should be, who they should be, how they should act, and what a Christian looks like. Turn to your Bible. Get acquainted with that love language. Go to your prayer room and get before, your, get before the face of God and ask him, what does a son look like? Because you're a good father and you're the only one that can teach me. And he'll surround you with people who's already gone before you. And you'll actually see some healthy families and some men of God that'll be fathers and some women of God that'll be mothers. And all of a sudden you'll know sonship because you felt it and because you lived in it. And all of a sudden you'll stop being a son and you'll become a father one day too. Hmm. 
Leviticus 10, 7. For the anointing oil of Yahweh is upon you. For the anointing of the Father is upon you. What do you think you're going to become? Welcome to your destination. Oh, some of you didn't have direction or calling. Now you do. Saints, that anointing cost God his son. And it will cost you this world. But the mark that you will make on this generation will be the souls that you leave behind. Will be the churches planted where you've been camping. Will be the marriages restored and the desolation turned into actually a parched land. Something that's actually beautiful and fertile. Springs will be flowing from the wells that you've redug everywhere you've set your foot. It's time for the firebrands to arise. I said it's time for the firebrands to come forth. Amen. Isaiah 35 1 says this, the wilderness and the dry land will be glad. It will be happy. Are you happy? Yes. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly. How? Abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Too long we're standing like a posture of a prisoner in our praise and saying, Lord, receive this. Lord, receive this. And he said it was for freedom that you've been set free. Amen. If you start acting like it, he'll feel that. How's he going to feel this? No, he feels this. Looks like a cup, right? For the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Watch this. And he will strengthen weak hands and he will make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Be strong, fear not. Any of you have some anxiety disorder? Well, order comes when you stop fearing because it's the seat of anxiety. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. What does that mean? All those people who have served you in justice, spit in your face, persecuted you, called you something else that you're not. God's going to handle that rest in him. He will come and save you. Is, is, is salvation something that happened to you 10 years ago? Or is it something that perpetually happens to you every day? Because I'm in great need of salvation today. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Then, then the goodness and kindness of God, the mercy of God leads to repentance. He gives you something and then you can see. You don't see and then he chose you. You didn't choose him. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and then the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then shall be the lame. They will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. He don't save you and set you free to show off. He empowers you to give your tongue and your eyes and your ears and your feet and your hands and your entire body to him. It belongs to him and he wants you to be free. And the, and the river of living God flows through everything that you are. It's him flowing through you and you'll finally feel freedom. For the waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. He knows where you live. He knows you're a dry place. That's exactly where he comes to set you free. And the burning sand 
shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of living water. Come on. And haunts and jackals, and the haunts of jackals, where they lie down, and the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there. Mm, a highway shall be there. Somebody like highways because it gets you somewhere quick. And I'm just tired of waiting on some things. A highway shall be there and it will be called the highway of holiness. Y'all think holiness is some like, don't touch it word. Holiness is where freedom's at. And Jesus came, paid a price to bring you to holiness. The only place that you can get freedom. That's why you're not happy somewhere in your other life because you're going somewhere else to get happy. But you got to get holy to get happy. You can't get happy to get holy. That doesn't work that way. Happiness comes from wholeness. And wholeness is in the seat of holiness. And an unclean, an unclean shall not pass over it. No lion shall be there, nor shall the ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk in it. The redeemed shall walk in it and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. St. Ithamar was the last born until he was not. And then all of a sudden he's second born. Ithamar was the baby boy. And all of a sudden, his brothers weren't there anymore. How many of you are the youngest sibling in the room? How many of you are second born? Yeah, middle child. You ever hear how different ones come with different packages? What if your whole life you lived as a last born under the influence, safety, security, and covering of your older first born brother who carried all the responsibility of leadership stewardship and headship and then the next day you woke up and it was your place to steward the anointing because he didn't survive it would that cause you a holy acute sense of honor of the anointing and make you reevaluate how God values it whether you value it like he values it would that cause you to do that? 2,000 years ago, the majority, not all, the majority of Israel checked out and the Gentiles checked in. And it was now your job to make them envious of what belongs to them. And the closer Messiah gets, the, the Bible says that there'll be a revival in Israel. But till now, there's still a gap. Wow. Wow. The firebrand is just another cold desert dead piece of steel till it's immersed in the fire of God. It's just a cold dead piece of steel. The value might not be what you think it is until you need some fire. And I've got to tell you today, every one of you here needs some increased fire. You hadn't arrived yet. You hadn't arrived yet. Because you're not looking the all-consuming one in the face eye to eye. You still got room to grow. So let's go. Amen. 
This is what happened to Ithamar, and this is what will happen and is happening to a new breed of believers today, saints. This is what's happening. This is you in this generation. You are replacing those that are being removed by God because they refuse to take the risk to make a mark with the life that was given to them. They just wanted to receive a goodie from heaven and sit on it and coast into the kingdom. Wow. I don't want to waste my life, do you? I don't want to waste what Jesus paid so much for. I want to invest it in your lives and in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Leviticus 10 said this. Do not let your hair or your head's hang, hair hang loose and do not tear your clothes lest you die and the wrath come upon the whole congregation. He says, do not mourn for your brothers. Would that be a hard word for you? If the one that you loved, even your leadership, all of a sudden by God's just judgment was taken out. He made a choice that you wouldn't make. And God says, hey. Slick your hair back, put your makeup on, get up, go to work, represent me, represent me, do not stop for them. Luke, that reminds me of Luke 9, 57, and it says, as they were going upon a road, they said this to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Wherever you go, Jesus, I'll follow you. And Jesus says this, foxes have holes and birds have air of the nest, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he says this, follow me. But he says, Lord, let me go and bury my father first. That's a funeral. My dad died. And Jesus says this to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Can you handle that? But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. There's been a radical transformation in your life. When Jesus purchased you, you became a priesthood of God. You don't do what ordinary men do. You do what he says. But let your brothers and the whole house of Israel, let them mourn them, he says. And in Leviticus, it says this in verse 7, 10, 7, and do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. The anointing of the Lord is upon you. Saints, the anointing is expensive. You can't afford it, but God can, and he gave it to you. Mm. Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song. For you are worthy to take a scroll and open the seals, Jesus, because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God. Everyone from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign in the heavens. No, 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 no. On the earth. They'll reign on the earth. Because you were purchased by God for God. Verse 8, and then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, drink no wine, right? You and your sons, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. Friends, nothing can compete with the intoxication of the Holy Spirit. Because nothing can compare when you taste of it. Mm. 
Men are replaced by God in the ministry when they try to bring unauthorized fire. When they try to produce an intoxication or an intoxicating effect on people that is anything other than the Holy Spirit. It shall be a statue for you, God says, for every generation, not just for your grandma, not just for your praying mama, but for you. This is your generation. Does he anger? Good, because I'm not. I am passionate about the body of Christ. She's settled for so much less, but she's created for so much more. You were created for so much more than you are currently walking in. And you could have been following Jesus for 40 years. It took 40 years for Moses to get started. Hello. For you are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the, and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes of the Lord that are spoken by Moses. Do we still have the words of Moses written down? Okay, good. That's a blessing to you. Just because you're filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you deny the written word of God. That's just dumb. And he's saying here, if you think that these verses have to do with what you drink or what you don't drink, eat or don't drink, then this is why you're not making an impact in your life. Are you following me? Because you have not been immersed in the fire of God. And let it purge you of all that religiosity. Romans 14, 7 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating, drinking, but righteousness, peace, love, joy, and the Holy Ghost. How much joy do you get when you, are, you feel bound by the letter of the law? Jesus is the written Torah. Hello. And those words speak about him. They are supposed to get you to him. And when you're with him, then you love to read that love letter that he left you. Hmm. 1 Thessalonians 1.4 says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. I know that God has chosen some of you because I can see certain marks in your life. For the others of you that are in this place, I am assuming that you're chosen by God because you're here and led by the Spirit. And let me explain. 1 Thessalonians says this, I know. Paul's like, I am certain. Why am I certain? Because I can see something in your life. Verse five, because our gospel didn't come simply with words, but with power. You got power, but with the Holy Spirit, do you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And with deep conviction, do you have opinions or do you have deep convictions? When I see a man of God or a woman of God who has deep convictions, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, And power moving in their life. I don't have to ask them if they love the Lord. It's clear. And this is what has happened. That's why I know that all of you are chosen. Because you're going to walk away putting this into practice. For you know how we lived among you for your sake. Because you became or therefore you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering and with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model of believers. That's what we're aiming at, saints. We're not veiling anything. We're not giving you something in the Ramez. This is Peshat clear. We are aiming that you would be a model community 
of King Jesus in this place. And a model community of King Jesus is people who are filled with the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and deep convictions of God. And I got to tell you, there's only way, one way for your convictions to become deep, and that's that they get tested. Friends, Ithamar was just like Remnant Church. You may not feel like it at times because at times you have felt like you weren't the first choice like Ithamar, but you were God's choice. Ithamar's fourth, fourth born until his two brothers die and all of a sudden he's second born and he inherits the very responsibilities that they did because God removed them and then replaced them with somebody who would do his will. Wow. That's called a holy fear. Fear is actually worship. And it's only supposed to be given to God. His chosen, his anointed. Is that you this morning? Yeah. yeah. We're currently the youngest church in the one association, but not for long. Hmm. You're one of the current, you're one of the current youngest churches in this region at five years old. But not for long. Because we're going to multiply. Because we're going to multiply all over this region and all over this, all over this earth. And it's going to start out here and have a ripple effect. And it's going to happen through your lives. Look at this living room. We only fit so many. And we're going to build more lives. Not giant buildings. Ithamar made a strong impact on his generation because the strong impact was made on him. Every time he chose to do what must be done to create a distinction between him and those who are playing God, are playing church with God. Is that you? Are you satisfied with playing church? Are you going to be a son of God, a daughter of God, one who hosts the presence of God, and actually makes an impact everywhere you go. Ithamar functioned the way he did as a son, and that was the only title he needed to activate his priesthood. Is that what you do? Are you waiting for some other pastor to dub you capable of expressing Jesus wherever you're at? Yeah. Do you feel like a son in the house of your father or do you just feel like a member in an organization? Are you a number? Because some of you don't go to church or you might be a number. If, if people treat you like projects. You may not be. I don't know. I don't know all of you here today because there's guests. And if so, you might just be in, in, a, in an institution, not an organ called the Church of God. Ithamar was a son of power. It wasn't a holy day for him like today is, the day of Pentecost. It wasn't a holy day. It was an event that happened in his life that forever changed his DNA. And therefore, everywhere that he went, he made a mark on other people. He was a firebrand, saints. A firebrand. Hmm. This is called halftime. Who else in your Bible is called a son of promise? Who else in your New Testament, other than Jesus, is called a son of promise? It's Galatians 4.28. Now you 
brothers and sisters, you remnant church, you guest here, you, you are like Isaac. You are children of promise. It's two mighty words. I'm a child and I'm a child of promise. Man, that's good news. That's real good news. Turn with me to Genesis 26, 25, where we'll camp. I'll give you the four points that I promised as a good due diligence of a good pastor. Hmm. Say there when you're there. You ever wonder why we all say there when you're there? We're about to see. Hear those pages turning? That's not archaic or old school. That's smart. Genesis 26, 25, we've been unpacking for you and we're going to continue to do so. And in verse 25, it says this, Isaac, the son of Abraham, the promised son, built an altar where? There. Where was there? In, in Genesis 26, Isaac is now having to walk in a promise towards a promise and then he encounters God and all of a sudden he encounters God and where he encounters God, he calls that place there. And because I encountered God there, right, I'm going to do something there. I'm going to build an altar. And the altar is not just right like a piece of furniture in your living room. It's pretty to look at. No, it's to call upon the name of the Lord. How long has it been since you called upon the name of the Lord? Not for your right, your your empty bank account or anything like that. Right. But just like for the goodness of God. Like just to say, hey, daddy, I love you. You know, if you say, daddy, I love you, say, hey, you, you take care of my house. I'll take care of yours. And you won't be worrying so much about that bank account. Isaac built an altar there and he called upon the name of the Lord and there he pitched a tent and there his servants dug a well. This is not a second message, saints. This is a clearer picture of yet another firebrand that made a mark everywhere he went. Wow. Genesis 26. Where's my mom? My mom's in the house. Where you at? Hey. Her and I do this now together. <laughs> Genesis 26. Back up to verse 1 for a minute as I walk you through to where we're at. Genesis 26. The promised son. Verse 1, now there was a famine in the land because the earlier famine of, Ab other than the famine of Abraham's time, and Isaac went out from that place and he begins a journey. He begins a journey. And look what it says. <laughs> and the Lord appeared to Isaac, verse 2, and he said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in the land for a while and I will be with you and bless you. For you, 
for to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands. The ones that I swore to your father. Wow. Look what he says in verse four. And I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. And I will give them these lands. And through your offspring, all nations, every single one of them in these lands, they're going to be blessed. Wow. Wow. So here's what happens in Genesis 26, moving on. In 26, 1 through 3, God tells him, listen, go and live where I tell you, and there I will bless you. By the time we get through verses 12 to 16, Isaac does not hoard what God gives to him. God gives him a promise like a seed. And he does not hoard it. Ask Pastor Case and he'll tell you what he does with it. He invested. it. He sowed it. And it multiplied. And what happens in this progression throughout Genesis 26? He moves on from city to city to city. He moves on to one city. And what is it called? Right? He moves on to one city. And the enemy camps get so frustrated with them there, they push him out. And what does he do in that city? <laughs> he, did, he reopens a well. He reopens a well and it causes for him contention. And then the enemy rises up and it pushes him to the next city. And guess what he does in that city? He digs the well. He reopens his father's well. And so he calls that city Sitna, which means accusation. Why? Because when he redug the well, it caused accusations for him. Then he moves on to the next city because it keeps happening over and over and over until he lands in a city called Rehoboth, which means wide open places. And so he calls it Rehoboth, wide open places. That's a good place, right? Except it might not be the place you were always supposed to live. So by the time he gets to the end of this journey, in verse 25, you see Isaac doing something that you would, be, you would do well to imitate. Everywhere the promised son went, he did four dramatic things. And I'm going to show you. And Isaac, who was Isaac? Promised son? Isaac maintained his sonship wherever he went. Isaac built an altar. Isaac maintained his fire with God anywhere he went. Isaac pitched his tent. Everywhere that Isaac went, the promised son went, he maintained his family. And there, his servants dug a well. Everywhere that Isaac, the promised son, went, he maintained his ministry. Is that you this morning? Isaac was a son. How are you maintaining your sonship? Because if you don't start there, you can't get anywhere else. Isaac was empowered by promise. Are you empowered by promise? 
Are you a son? Are you just a traditional Christian? What are you? Thank you. See, we wait for somebody to tell us how to respond, but sons respond without somebody telling them they have to. Isaac was a son. He maintained his sonship. He knew who he was. He knew he wasn't a mere man. He knew that he was a son of promise that God would fulfill his promise through. Philippians says he will finish what he starts. Do you believe it? Have you been journeying too long that you don't believe it anymore? He will do it. God will do it. Are you empowered by the promise that you are a new breed of priesthood? You are firebrands. You're not like the others. This is your generation, not your grandma's. You're not even an Acts church. You're a Revelation church. The king's coming. You're to prepare different than they do. You sit on the shoulders of the Acts church so that the Revelation church might rise up and say, Maranatha, come quickly. You're a new breed of priesthood that are called to be distinct that are called to love holiness, that are called to hate, righteous, uh, hate unrighteousness, who to be a peculiar people and live in darkness but be the light. Hmm. That means you're not living, practicing perfection every day. Holiness is what you're practicing. Set-apartness, right? Your performance mentalities have to yield at the goodness of God. That means your church attendance, your good behavior, your Christian status. Maybe you even grew up in a Christian family. Your well-funded creeds and expensive doctrines. That's not going to get you anywhere. All of those things are forms without the power. Forms without the power. They look like the real thing, but they're a counterfeit. And counterfeits are made to distract you from the real thing. And we all clear. You're not sitting in the presence of God by your merit alone. It's King Jesus. Yeah, you are firebrands. That means you don't negotiate with the devil any longer. You don't even let your flesh dictate what you hear all day. You're too busy sitting around hanging out with your Abba. Getting acquainted with him, listening to his voice. How many of you have to have God shout at you at times? Yeah, that's because you're distant and too far away. Those who are sons stay close to Abba and Abba can whisper and they say, yes, sir. You know why they trust him like that? Because they're close. We don't entertain the idea that our father has rejected us on our next big failure. That's not who we are. We're maintaining our sonship. And when we maintain our sonship, we make a mark. We make an oppression. We become a firebrand. And it sears everything that's carnal and fleshly. And it, it, first and foremost, it burns and sears us, changes and transforms us. And all of a sudden, we stop entertaining wicked thoughts and attributing to God attributes that are not his. He's a good father. He's a good father. He's a merciful father. He's a compassionate father. And he's, and he's waiting right there when you fail to say, hey, son, this is how you get up. Let me help you up. Second Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. In case you needed a qualification. 
for he cannot disown himself. Do you know you were purchased at a great price? Yes. So therefore, you need to be careful about what you leverage towards God's anointed, his house that he purchased. Hmm. Yeah. Sons of God have no identity crisis. Welcome to this land. Saints, Isaac would have heard firsthand that he was the benefactor of the covenant with God that God made with his father. Do you realize that his daddy would have told him about the covenant that God made with himself while Abraham is sleeping? Isaac would have been the first one to look over while laying on the altar and see the provision that God made for him in his stead. What impact would that make on you? If you all of a sudden are supposed to be the sacrifice. And it's just and it's right and it's righteous and it's God's will. And all of a sudden God's like, no, I will be that sacrifice. What kind of impact would that make on you? When that impact is made on you, you therefore then go and give that impact. If you're not being impactful in your life now, it's because you need to get a greater impact. Wow. That's why Isaac left an impact on every single city he lived in because he was a firebrand. Because sons are firebrands. Isaac built an altar. Isaac maintained his fire. How's your fire? Is it flickering? Right? Are you on fire for the Lord? Are you looking and waking up and say, Daddy, what are we going to do today? What's your will? Whatever it costs, let's go. Right? Hmm. Isaac built an altar. He maintained his fire. Saints Nadab and Abihu brought foreign fire to the altar of God because they forgot who first lit it. The only way to forget about the fire of God is to be distant from it. Sons are not afraid of the fire of God, saints. Sons love it because I was there. Sons are not afraid of it. Are you afraid of it? Are you afraid of the Holy Spirit? Are you afraid to move in the Holy Spirit? You're like, hey, man, I really want to like prophesy. One day, Lord, make me prophesy. And then you never prophesy because you need to start and he'll finish it. They love to commune with God. This is what firebrands do. This is why their fire is maintained. I love, I've been in love with Jesus for 24 years. And you know what's happening? My fire's increasing, not decreasing. That means when I'm 85, I'm going to be on fire. Jen and I have been married for quite a while, a couple decades, right? Elder Charlie and Joe back there, double that. And we learn from them. I expect to be born fire for that lady right there, right, in 10 years than I am now. And you're going to have a hard time, husbands, right, being on as fire as I am for my wife. But I expect and she expects that that's going to increase exponentially. Leviticus 6.12 said this. The fire of God on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange 
the burnt offerings of the fire on the burnt uh, of the burnt offering and even the fat has to be burned. Saints, every day, sons of God maintain their fire when they wake up with a heart to approach God and contribute, not just consume. When they want to participate in the sacrifice because they are sons, not because they are trying to earn a status that they already possess. Sons burn the fat. You know what that means? They give the best. They want their love for the Lord to be expensive. Sons have no reserves because sons spent them all on the Lord. Sons become fathers because sons are destined to be just like their daddy. Sons do not build many fires. Sons maintain one fire. Sons are firebrands. Isaac was a son. Ithamar was a son. Isaac pitched his tent. Isaac maintained his family. Everywhere you find a real church, you will find a community of people moving to draw closer and closer to the fire of God. I mean, like, literally, that's not an analogy. Like, they sell homes and stuff. They move whole, like, cities and countries and stuff. They open up their own homes that all of a sudden they're like, what is all this square footage for? I can put people in here. Travel around the country. You'll figure out that the American church is weird, not the other way around. The global body has the same markers everywhere you go. They live in community. They all of a sudden find the community of God worth forsaking all to be part of because, well, they found something that was a little more valuable than they once had. What would you pay? Psalm 68, 6, God settles the lonely or solitary in a home. Not an institution, not a fancy church building, in a home. And I'm not saying that just because we're in a home right now. We're actually not a home church. We're a church that just only got a home, right? So in the name of Jesus, speak to these people to give some money or something. But like, but that's all we got. We meet, yeah, we meet in that yard. We meet out here. We meet out back. We meet in wedding venues, praise the Lord, right? We meet in CrossFit gyms. We just meet. But that's not all we do. We grow, amen? Every son has a place or must have a place called home. If you don't have a place called home, you need to go back to your sonship. You need to find a family of God. Every son has a place called home, a tribe they can call their own. And when a son has a home, he becomes one. And every son that becomes a home cultivates intimacy. And when a son is intimate, what happens? I'll tell you what happened right now with my son. In the name of, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, they're conceiving new life. Where the intimacy of the father is in the family of God, family is made. Family is multiplied. Saints, we are a family of families, as pastor said. Because that's what an actual body of Christ looks like. By a people <laughs> living in tents. <laughs> Camping around a holy bonfire. How's that, right? With eternal mentalities and eternal family. 
We call ourselves family. We actually mean it. You know why? Because we're going to live together forever. So we're putting it into practice and we're rehearsing what's coming. And people think we're strange for that. Okay, cool. No, we're not strange. The Bible calls us peculiar. You don't get to pick a word that Jesus did. He gets to pick what we are. And hey, he said we're strange too, just in a different way. <laughs> Hebrews 11 says that the people of God have always lived like this, right? In verse 13, 14, and 15, and 16, it goes on to say, these were people who were living here as though they were in temporary dwellings because they were looking for a fatherland that was to come. But it wasn't an individual. It was communities of people working together as a nucleus, living here in the temporary until the eternal came. They pitched their tent. They did. Every son maintains his family when he realizes who they are. I thank the Lord that my mom is sitting in here. But that's not true for all my family members. Because they have chosen to serve a devil and not serve the Lord. I'm really excited about that, by the way. The sons of promise are those that do the will of the Father. I don't need to teach you that this morning because Jesus did. And you can read it in your Bible. And you know what the last thing that Isaac did? He caused his servants to go well. His servants dug a well. Isaac maintained his ministry. And when I say ministry, if you think something like a church organization building, you missed it. You need to hang out around here so you can get taught. Maintaining your ministry. Every son knows that he is a full-time minister. Every single one of you in here who have enlisted in the army of God, who have enlisted in the kingdom of God, are a full-time minister. Amen. Every son knows that he's a full-time minister. This is why he's effective. There's no place that he goes. There's not a person that's not standing in front of him, right, that needs what he has. You didn't come just to consume. You came to contribute. And when you do that here, practice that here, you'll perform that out there. Everywhere you go, the grocery store is now subject to the presence of God because they're subject to you. Every job that you sit in, every boring little computer that you sit on each day, right? Everywhere you go that you think is not significant for God now becomes significant because you are significant and you are there. Hmm. Every son is a firebrand that makes a lasting impression everywhere he goes because he no longer lives for his own will. <clears throat> Isaac's servants dug wells. Who'd they dig wells for? Do you think Isaac dug that well by himself? Not one of them. You're going to blame it on the son of promise. Jesus is going to dig this well for me. I'm going to drink in it. No, no. If you think like that, you're going to make it like like a jacuzzi or something. That's not going to happen. Right? It's the mentality that's wrong. You get to go back and get your sonship so you know you have something to give. Hmm. When now Isaac, the promised son, and those who served him lived in a city, camped in a city, and then moved on from a city, what was left behind? They took the tents with them, they took the people of God with them. But what was left behind? Wells. Everywhere that the promise sons and daughters of the living God goes, you will know they were there. Mm -hmm. 
because they'll leave it better than when they found it. And they'll leave a resource for those who are there, even the ones who tried to push them out. Even though the people who walked on them or spit on them or rejected them or or accused them or brought contention to them were there. They get the drink from your well. And you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, man. I I would have to work to be like, I don't want to defend myself when they accuse me. I don't want to be upset and angry because they push me out from the hard work I just did. And then the Holy Spirit said, well, that happens for you like it happened for Isaac. When you realize that you weren't there to build your well, but you were to build their well. You'll know that you were a destined promised son that builds wells wherever he goes. Is that your life today? Are you so self-intoxicated that you think you're building your own well? Are you so focused on Jesus that you're excited to build a well for the others so that they might drink? Because when they drink, then they can repent. When they taste and see that the Lord is good, then they will turn to him. We don't work on our own behalf. We're promised sons. We were given something we didn't deserve. We got what he deserved. And when we work from that place, we work because of that place. And when we work because of that place, you, my friends, be Come the actual well. Wow. But Isaac and the sons didn't dig wells. They re-dug wells. Friends, what's been given to you is those have gone before you. They have modeled some things before you. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Abraham dug wells and the sons of God re-dig the wells. Your New Testament is based upon the apostles and the prophets. It's based upon the the writings of your Older Testament and now the revelation of your new. And the entirety of your word gives you a script laid out for you. It guides you to the one who can empower you to do what he did. Zechariah chapter 3 says this as we wind down this message. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a firebrand plucked from the fire of God? You are a firebrand, saints. And you're not some cold, dead piece of metal. You're actually Something that was living and cut from nature. And now immersed in the fire of God and now became useful for God. Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments. Interesting way to start. And was standing before the angel. And he answered and he spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away his filthy garments. Take away his filthy garments. Take them away. Has he taken yours away? 
Has he made you clean? If he's made you clean, then he's made you holy. And if he's made you holy, he's made you a firebrand. And every firebrand was built and made for a purpose. Not just to sit around, but to make a mark on every single place that he went. And I said, let them put clean, a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by and like, look what he did. He has done it. Remnant, you are a new breed. Stop trying to be like everybody else. People who move with the crowds don't move in a good direction. You are not cattle, you are sheep. You are not cattle, you are sheep. This thing brands cattle, but the Holy Ghost makes a mark and brands you. You do not seek the approval of men because you are solidified by the approval of your father in heaven. Amen. Amen. Everywhere you go, you should aim to make a lasting impression on your hearers and those under the inspiration of your demonstration. Everywhere you go, you should aim at a lasting impression. In order to continue to increase and not decrease, it is time for these people in this room who belong to this land and into this generation to redig the wells of their fathers. Because the promised son has already showed you the way. Stand with me to see. This is the morning. They're all the same to me these days. Today, then we're not going to do an altar call with fancy music for you to cause you to feel a little fuzzy feeling. We're going to treat you like adults, like grown men and women of God. And we're going to say, listen to the words that were given to you from the from his word, the scriptures that were spoken and what the Holy Spirit said to each and each one of you individually and go and do it because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where boys become men. That's where people who are playing games with God become those who are now making a mark for God. Ask yourself these questions. How is my, how is my sonship? Am I maintaining my sonship? Number one. Number two, am I maintaining my fire with God? Because that's what sons do. Am I maintaining my family of God? And am I maintaining their wells? Are you maintaining your sonship? Are you maintaining his fire? Are you maintaining your family? And are you maintaining their wells? If you can do these four things in faith for the living God, every single place you place your foot, you'll look behind you and you'll be proud. And you know who else? You'll turn around like, man, that happened in my life? Yes, amen. And you'll turn this way and you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that good, isn't that, that good news? Isn't that good words? You want to receive those words? Yeah, well, you didn't, have to, you didn't have to do anything to become a son, but you do have to do something to receive those words. Wow. Yeah. Mighty God, I pray for these firebrands in here. I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit 
will convict them and encourage them and cause them to cultivate your presence right here in this land. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for these mighty ones. I thank you, Lord God, that you have plucked them from the fire, that you have cleaned them, and you have caused them to be sons of the living God. Those, Lord God, who mark every single place they go and leave behind them a wellspring of life. Father, I thank you that you've made one here in Denton, Texas, and every city that's represented in this place today. Father, I love you, and we love you, and we pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah.